Hello and welcome. Today we'll be talking about finances and my guest today is Salom. Welcome Salom to the call. Hi Kula, thanks for having me. Uh, this is an open discussion where we're going to be talking about anything to do with finance, especially to do uh, if you just relocate to the United Kingdom or if you are in the, in the United Kingdom for that matter. So to keep start our conversation, could you please tell us who you are, what your specialty is, and uh, a, a little bit about your background so that our audience gets to know about what you do and your services? Thank you. Okay, so my name is Salome. I'm also a Rumbi, so I go by Salome Ru, if that's easier. Um, and uh, my background is in accounting and tax, actually. I did um, do a professional course in that, in accounting. But during the course of my journey of studying and then qualifying and becoming a professional, I discovered that the aspect of managing money wasn't related to having studied professionally in that area because uh, I made a lot of financial mistakes and things like that. So I began to go through a journey of educating myself financially. And so what I do now is also empower and educate others in their financial wellness. So I've I've done um, courses to then also become a, 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 a qualified financial wellness coach in that respect, just so that I'm able to also equip others while I'm also still pursuing my career. And I'm very passionate about that because I've realized that for many people, you know, money management can be something we take for granted and it's a struggle. Um, so, yeah, that's really what I'm about. OK. And how long how long have you been doing uh, this? Um, so it sort of started as a little bit of a hobby, uh, maybe around about 2020 thereabouts. And then I started to sort of grow more, um, read more, do more formal courses and things like that. So I would say I've been doing it about two, three years properly, but this year has been more intense because I just made sure, you know, I want to dedicate more time to it and and grow that because I'm really, really passionate about it. especially seeing a lot of people um, that are, are moving newly and, you know, um, to the UK and other professionals that are, are also in my sphere of influence. It's become a subject we're talking more about and it's, it's becoming more apparent that people need that. Okay. So looking at financial management, what does it entail? Does it mean managing finance in a business or managing finance in a household because we do come across finances almost in every day of our lives and can you touch base on that and explain what sort of categories that does that your your, your expertise fit in Okay, so when I do the financial wellness coaching, I'm focusing more primarily on personal finance and that is the financial, uh, management and money mindset around how people manage their money personally as well as in the household. I mean, if people also would like help with business side, I am qualified to also assist with that. But what I do more of is I always believe that if people can manage themselves and understand how to manage their money, understanding what part of it, you know, is, is their income and expenditure and their cash flow within themselves, then they're also able to apply it also in a business context, but obviously with a bit more help from a formal perspective of business. But primarily it's personal finance that I talk about. So what it is, is being able to manage and balance your finances in a way that you are earning enough and you're able to manage your expenditure and you're able to understand taxes and you're able to understand anything that is to do with how you spend and earn your money as well as grow it. Okay, so let's look at, at, at personal expenses. Personal expenses for those that live in the UK. What sort of sort of 
areas would you be looking at in terms of managing finance? I know you spoke about taxes. I know you spoke about expenses and things like that. Can you just dive deep into that? A very good example in terms of the kinds of tax, maybe insurances or utilities. Maybe if you can just go deep into that and how your services can actually help in such areas. Okay, so I think what I also have to clarify is there are people that are called financial advisors. So those that are regulated to help people um, with investment decisions or maybe with, you know, things that are a bit more technical around money management. So I'm not that. But what I do is I'm able to speak um, to people in, in helping them manage expenses and how they actually grow and save their money and, and and a little bit of understanding risk and investment. So to answer your question about expenses, you've got common expenses. Let's start with household expenses, right? Mm-hmm. So let's just say people have got rent or a mortgage if they own a property. Um, they'll also have uh, the council tax, which is already you've already touched on. That's a very, very, very important utility bill in the UK. Any Every household has to pay it without fail. Um, and that's to the local authorities. And in addition to that, we've got utility bills, which is to manage our our electricity, our gas, um, our water supply. All those things have to be paid, you know, without fail. So obviously you then have your phone bills. If you drive a car, you then have insurance. Are you getting the best deal for all those things? The list goes on. Other things are the obvious things like your food and clothing, et cetera. So one of the things I work with is people making sure they understand how their income compares to all those bits to make sure they're able to allocate where all their money is going and to make sure they're doing that effectively to understand what are the needs that are critical and what are things that are wants that you may be flexible in 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 sort of cutting off if you need to be doing that so it's really looking at that holistic approach um of those kind of things so it then depends if you've got family as well you obviously then have extra expenses that you have to factor in depending on your circumstances okay so now talking of uh Let's look at the term tax, and I've come across the term also national insurance. What yes. what sort of rates do people in the UK pay, and what is the difference between the two? Okay, so tax is very, very, very fundamental. It's something we can't escape, especially if you work as an employee. As soon as you start a job, you know, on your first pay slip, you see that you've got two deductions minimum which is the national the national insurance mm-hmm. um and then you've got the income tax so sometimes people get confused why they have to pay those two um they they just cover separate things although they both go to the state in any case so the national insurance is something that the government takes from people to pay towards the social care care system so that's to do with paying towards pots for pensions and um sickness and unemployment So sometimes you might find yourself in a situation where if you've got access to public funds, you are given those kind of things if you get stuck. And that's what that money is for. So everyone has to pay it. You don't pay it for the first 12,500 that you earn, to be fair. So in a full year, if you earn over 12,500, that's when you start paying national insurance. So if anybody's earning less than that and they're getting national insurance deducted, they need to have a word with whoever's doing that. Then tax is also got its own deductions, which then goes to the central part that manages, you know, the, the day-to-day things we have in the economy, our hospitals, our schools, and, and things like that. And um, that's also tax-free for the first 12570 and it starts to kick in at 20% for anything above 12570 up to 50270 Okay, so... 
So, 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 sorry to cut you short, but the taxi and the national insurance, the percentage are the same. Or oh, the percentages are different. Yeah, the percentages are different. So the income tax starts at 20%. That's the basic rate okay. for anybody that earns below 50000 after they've had the tax-free allowance. But national insurance, um, they announced from January 2024, it's going to go to 10% after that 12,000 tax-free. So it'll be 10% for anything between 12,500 and 50,000. And then anything above 50,270, you only paid at 2%. So national insurance actually gets lower the higher your income, whereas uh, tax gets higher the higher your income because there is a 40% tax bracket after the 20% and then a 45 as well. Okay, so in your experience, can you tell me some of the misconceptions that people have around the topic of tax in terms of, yeah, what sort of misconceptions that people have? Um, I think one of the things I've come across is some people think that they don't have to pay national insurance because they themselves don't have access or recourse to public funds. That's not true. You still have to pay into it because it starts building even your own pension pot if you're planning to live in the UK on a long-term basis. Um, the other misconception people have is if your tax is wrong or your tax code is wrong, maybe sometimes the employer has deducted the wrong amount, they start to get worried and don't realize that they can actually claim it back or the, the HMRC, the tax authorities themselves, tend to do a reconciliation at the end of the year to make sure you've paid the right amount of tax. So sometimes people get a surprise check in the post a few months after the tax year has ended and the, the, the HMRC is saying, oh, you overpaid your tax by 200 or 500 pounds and suddenly you've got some money coming to you, which is great news. On the other hand, if you've underpaid tax, there's a perception that people think they can get away with that. But if HMRC catches on to it, even if it's a few years before, they can still track and ask you to pay back. So I always advise that people just try and make sure that they are paying the right amount of tax. And the way you would know, especially if you're an employee, is by your tax code on your payslip. So everybody gets a tax code. So if it says 1257L, that's the typical tax code for majority of people, it means that you're probably getting the right um, tax code. And where do they check uh, with that tax code? It's always on your pace, on the payslip. So if they are unsure, they need to speak to payroll or get some um, independent advice from an accountant or someone if they are not sure or speak to HMRC directly. And I think that's the other thing. Sometimes people are scared to pick up the phone and actually call HMRC directly. It is something you can do. They're just normal human beings. You can speak to them as well and ask them questions if if you're not clear about something. So talking, talking of some of the expenses that people incur in the united kingdom what sort of like things that people ignore yet they eat on their budget if you can touch based on that to say wow you know in my experience i've come across such situations whereby people end up spending money on xyz yet that could have they could have been an alternative for for them and then they could save money if you can just give me one of those one or two examples yeah okay so maybe i'll start with um if this is for people that have access to credit already let's just say so let's just say someone has got access to a credit card and they are using their credit card to uh, pay for ongoing expenditure such as maybe groceries when they go shopping or their fuel, etc., and they are then only paying the minimum amount back to the credit card company, it catches up with them because the card continues to accrue interest 
which is going to be very high and difficult to pay back. So that's one area some people tend to struggle with, especially when they are not used to getting credit, you know, um, using credit cards. This could be maybe students that are getting access to them newly or people that are new in the country. You just think, oh, I've got £2,000 on my credit card. I can just spend it. That's normally a big trap for a lot of people because they don't quite understand that you know, yes, it's money that you're being given to spend, but you're actually getting into debt and you're meant to be really paying back as much as you can on that. And then the other thing is um, there are things like certain subscriptions that people can sign on to. Um, and it's all, always worth, I think one of the things that's good about the UK from, from my understanding, um, and I'm sure this is the same in most developed countries, is there is always price comparison sites for most things that we need to buy or purchase or or utilize on a day-to-day -day, um, basis. So for example, your gas and electricity, are you definitely getting the best deal from the best provider based on the area you live and the size of your house? If you go on a price comparison website, you'll be able to actually get a good, a good comparison to really see whether you're getting a good deal or not. And that applies the same as well for other things like maybe car insurance. Right. So some people, um, when uh, your car insurance needs renewal each year, sometimes they leave it to automatically renew with the same car right. insurance provider. Right. But they don't realize that you can actually at that point when they tell you it's about to expire, that's the point you should be shopping around to make sure that. By the time it renews, you're getting a good deal or even a much better deal, because the one that you get as a renewal, chances are you're actually going to be, be paying more. Okay, oh. so car insurance is another area that people end up paying more than they should because they've not really done the homework, especially when it's coming up for renewal. And the thing is, I'm sure there's a lot of moving parts, especially to the folks that have been, that have just arrived to the UK, you know, when they don't have any kind of information of where they need to go to and anything in between. So yeah. looking off something that you just brought on the table, which is the credit card loans and things like that can you please explain in simple layman's terms what is the credit system what is a credit system like if you can just give a definition based on your understanding sure so um the credit system has got its pros and cons like anything but it's purely a, the bedrock by which the financial system tends to operate for individuals as well as businesses and it's more of a, a tracking system that allows you to be able to have access to borrowing to borrow money either to through loans or through credit cards um, or even some services that you want to subscribe to, like things like even mobile phone contracts. So anything that you get into where you are not um, the one who's paying full, fully for it, um, but you are being given and being trusted to either have an asset or be given money that you can use, being trusted to then pay it back. Right. So you find even mortgages when people buy a house because a house is probably what, 300, 400,000 pounds. Who's got that sitting in the bank? But obviously, if the person shows that they have been able to borrow in the past and they've paid back and they've got a good record, a credit record essentially tells a story about your pattern of borrowing money and being able to pay it back. Okay, so when someone has got good credit, it means that they've got a good credit score because they've been able to pay everything they are meant to pay on time. They've not defaulted 
and they have kept their record clean. And um, sometimes people can find themselves in a situation where their credit rating is low or they've got a poor credit rating because maybe they haven't had the opportunity to build and prove themselves, especially like you said, people that are new to the country. You've just arrived. The computer can't find you. They can't find anything you know, that you've ever paid for. So there are certain things you need to then do, like maybe register with the um, electoral register for the voting and make sure that, you know, you are um with your for example with your bank your, your your where you open your main bank account from there you are making all your payments you know you're not defaulting on anything any subscriptions that you have you start to build up um and then there's a story that can be found about you to say actually you can be trusted to borrow and pay back money so i know i've not given a technical definition but that's in layman's terms when we talk about the credit system we're talking about the system that allows people to be able to borrow and build themselves up in that way it's just okay. i think for most people they're coming from a an economy where things are cash based right which is very different to here um where if you want to if you want to buy a car and the car is worth 6000 pounds if you've got good credit you can borrow to be able to get that car but is it really a good idea are people doing it in the right way that that then becomes the area i now talk to people more about just from an educational level for them to start thinking about am i getting a good interest rate yes you may have good credit and you may think you've got access to borrowing but are you actually handling that in the right way absolutely so now you you spoke about a lot yeah so now what I need to ask is that what sort of qualifications does someone, okay, at, at which point does someone qualify to behave, to be in the credit system actually? So is it someone who gets into the country and say, well, I'm in the country, I need to do a credit, I need to get a credit card and who offers the credit cards actually? Okay. So um, generally speaking, let's just use an example of someone who's just arrived, okay, yeah. newly. So let's say they have got a job they get paid, they open a bank account, right? Their bank account starts to reflect that this person has got earnings and they're paying their bills. So when they're paying for their day-to-day -day bills, like their electricity at home, their utilities, um, I don't think council tax is included in credit rating. I need to double check that. But it's anything that you, you'll be surprised, even things like um, defaulting for subscriptions, like Netflix, right? Are you paying all those things? So it's about building a track record over a period of time. So it could be six months. It could be it could be 12 months. It depends what kind of credit you're looking for. So when we then talk about the journey, so let's say someone has lived here, they're paying their bills on time. They're paying for the insurances on time. Um, when they get any tickets for, for stuff, you know, they're responding and, you know, just being a good citizen, yeah. <laughs> generally speaking, um, that's just what it's down to. So the more you build that up, the the better and um ideally like I, I talked about registering for um you know as a as a as a voter right you, you you can do that as long as you are allowed to live in the country you don't have to be a citizen or anything like that so that on its own shows that there's credibility you've got a regular address where you are paying your bills and you're paying your rent and things like that so that stability and that long-term you know build up is what then helps um for that for that person to become credible um when it comes to approaching banks or approaching financial companies where you can then say i can be be trusted to borrow money okay so now let's talk about some of the pitfalls it it appears to me like this could be good to be true and what sort of having a system like that whereby you create a reference point 
and you are now allowed to get credit. And what sort of pitfalls have you experienced in your journey in terms of the credit cards and the loans that are valuable at disposal for people? What sort of pitfalls do people fall? Um, I think one easy one that people may not realize is, I don't know if you, you've uh, noticed this. So sometimes you can be making purchases for things maybe online um, or you're, make, you're buying um even a medium to high value item and there's this option to do buy now pay later yeah. um these companies now like um Klarna and a few others where you know you can make payments um over a period of time for for goods and services and sometimes it includes even buying takeaways right yeah. um and so p- the pitfall i've seen is people then think oh okay so I've, i'm spending a hundred pounds on this but i've got the option to pay three payments of 33 pounds each over three months oh that's good and attractive but then they do that on multiple things and then when it's now time to pay those monies back because these companies automatically take the money from your from your account when the date is due if any of those bounce or if any of those payments fail something like that easily tarnishes your credit score just like that so while it's 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 sometimes good to have access to the credit it is also a trap because then if you're not able to manage it or if you're not able to discipline yourself you may you then find yourself in little debts all over and when you fail to pay any of them, I know somebody who was in a situation where they bought something so small. I, put, I think it was like something that wasn't even valuable, right? Yeah. But for some reason, there was a, an issue with the repayment or something went horribly wrong. And they were so depressed because it then affected their credit rating for something that was really, really, really small that they could have taken care of. But it just wasn't paid. You see what I mean? And yeah. so while the credit system is is the way it is it's about being careful to know that do i really need to be doing something um and paying for something in this way or should i just pay when i can afford it and raise the money and and settle it in that way because once you miss a payment that then sticks on your record for some time and i think there's a period of time um there's some things it will take six years for it to come off (laughs) you know So, so so the system can be quite brutal in that respect because yeah. So, 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 what, what, what of do these systems offer a protection against online scams? Let's say, for a very good example, is that I get a credit card or I want to get a loan, and then I pay someone or I pay a link online on a website, and later on it turns out to be an online scam. What happens? Okay, so that's actually a good point. So one of the reasons the, the reasons why some people use credit cards in a good way is because when you are purchasing something and you pay for it with a credit card, the credit card companies have um a, a, a law that actually protects individuals that pay through credit card that if anything goes wrong or if something if it's a scam or if something gets um gets cancelled and it's not your fault and you're trying to get the money back the credit card companies actually have um, a system in place where you can get your money back. So your money is actually protected if you make purchases with credit cards for certain things. So I know certain people, their policy is when they're buying even flights, for example, they'll always do that with a credit card. But as soon as they've done it with a credit card, they know that they've also got the money to still pay it back. But they're doing it because they want that protection, right, that they get um, through using the credit card system compared to when you use your regular bank account from your debit card 
if you lose that money, it's it's harder to claim it back because you're not automatically protected. So yeah. I think it's people understanding certain situations and scenarios where it's it is safer to use the credit card, but then don't use the credit card and not pay it back. If that makes sense, I think that's where the catch tends to be, because you 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 probably have a credit card that's got an, a spending allowance. Maybe you've been given a thousand pounds on it or two thousand. And you're you're spending it. And that's the other thing. The credit rating also looks at how much of the debt you're using. So if your credit card is worth 2000 and you've used it up to 1800 that actually impacts your credit rating because it's showing that you are depending on debt to survive. So that then drops your score. Okay. When you when your overall credit rating is looked at. So there's 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 all those little moving pieces there. I see. So now let's talk of online scams again. I mean, you explained, thank you, but I want you to tell me based on your experience, mm -hmm. what sort of, if, if you can just tell us a story of what happened in the past, you don't have to say any names, but mm -hmm. some of the popular online scams that people get caught up with. Yeah. So there's a lot of that um, at the moment. So statistically speaking, especially for some reason, since COVID period, right the online scammers got cleverer <laughs> at what they oh, do I see okay yeah and um you'll find there were incidences where um i'll start with even hmrc the uk tax authorities right mm -hmm. there are people that would call or send texts to your phone and they say oh you you've not paid your tax or something's gone wrong with your tax give us a call right and people will be scared because they think oh my god this is the tax authorities yeah and they would call the number and they would um, confirm their national insurance number and all this. And these people would sound so genuine. And then the, you're thinking you're paying your tax and they take 2,000 pounds from you. By the time you now follow up and, you know, maybe you log on to your actual HMRC account online, you realize it wasn't actually genuine. So that's happened to a lot of people, right? And then you've got a situation where sometimes companies like some, some people imitate like PayPal. For example, they will send you an email. You've got a PayPal account and they say there's a transaction that's happened. Call us on this number to resolve the matter. And when you call the number, they now say we want we want to mirror something on your phone and they start going all technical. And what they're just tr actually trying to do is access your real PayPal account. Right. So those are examples that I've come across. Um, and even so, I think the key thing is the thing about links. You know, if you get yeah, links that are supposedly coming from your bank or supposedly coming from a, a, a company you recognize, but you've you've never really like requested it or anything like that. It's a bad idea to click that link and then provide your details as if you're logging on because they can imitate the websites to make it seem like you're actually going into the you know legitimate website when you're not. So by the time you put in your credentials, you're actually giving them access to your money without realizing or access to your personal information without realizing. So I think the online scams have been really bad. And then we had a big um, craze about crypto as well, where yeah. there's been so many companies that came up and they'll be promising you, you to, you know, to earn money and things like that. Some of them were legitimate. Like I, I, I understand crypto and I, you know, I've got my 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 love-hate relationship with with it because I understand risk, risk, et cetera. But that's been a big area where a lot of people have also been scammed. Yeah. Okay. So now you, you spoke about HMRC. Can you please tell us what is HMRC and how does it operate? What is it all about to someone who is just, you know, a beginner and they want to understand what it is? 
Okay, yeah. Sorry, I just kept throwing that in there. So HMRC is the UK tax authority. So they are the um his majesty's revenue and customs, basically. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm from Zimbabwe. We've got Zimra in Zimbabwe. <laughs> oh yeah, in Zimbabwe, Zimra definitely. Yeah. We've yeah. Got so you know, think about that. Um, and think about yeah, the income tax office. Um, that's that's who they are. The the HMRC. Um, so we then have also customs and excise, which I guess is the more equivalent with Zimra in that respect. But HMRC is is the tax authority. So they are the ones that are responsible for collecting income tax from individuals as well as um corporation tax from companies oh okay so now let us talk about i want to take you back to some of the information that you shared earlier on in terms of comparisons and anything in between for utilities and what sort of places can people find the best deals if they're looking to purchase a subscription or anything in between um, so I think some recommendations. I know there could be plenty, but if you can just give some recommendations <laughs> well, that you know, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I, I I'm not promoting any specific sites or anything like that. But if the good thing is, I think as you've you've gathered, when you move to to the UK in any other country, I feel like Google is our friend, okay. rather than not right. Some other and, people are afraid of Google anyway. <laughs> yes, yes. I was actually going to go there. And I understand okay. certain people yeah. would have reservations or they're just not that way inclined. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I've noticed like sometimes there's some groups I'm in and people ask a question and then people respond. They're like, why don't you check on Google? And I'm thinking, well, it's not that obvious for everybody because <laughs> they just want that yeah, person to, yeah. to share with them, you know. So personally, like I, I use sites like Money Supermarket, like Money Saver Supermarket. You've got... um. If if you if someone goes and checks price comparison sites, <laughs> I should have checked um, a, a list of them to bring to bring on here. But there there there's um, comparethemarket.com. So there's there's various ones. So some of them will offer better deals than others. But I think for me, money money supermarket is is a good one. It tends to have a good and you know fair balance of things that they offer in various areas, whether it's to do with insurance or to do with certain subscriptions or to do with certain services that people are looking for. Oh, okay. Now, talking of money supermarkets, you just uh, helped me think of shopping. Now, I want to talk about household shopping. I mean, whenever I go into a supermarket like Tesco, I always ask, they always ask me about the club card. And can, can you explain on that what it is? What are some of the options that are available out there? And can, can you just comment on household shopping and the use of cards? I mean, of okay. store cards, yeah. So over the maybe, years... Maybe you can start by explaining what is a store card, how it works, and yeah. what are the benefits and pros and cons, and probably speak about the available options that people have. And yeah. Like so from a household shopping perspective, you'll find that majority of stores in the UK, um, over the years, they've now developed loyalty cards or store cards. Um. So if you, you go and shop in Tesco, like you said, rightly said, there's a Tesco club card. And every time you shop in the tes with Tesco and you swipe your club card, mm -hmm. you either get a good deal on certain items you've picked, um, and then you also get points. So the shops have made it, you know, attractive for people to, to desire to accumulate these points. So the more mm -hmm. you shop, the more points you accumulate. 
but what's been happening is they then obviously have to give something back to the store to the to the shoppers um those points that you're building up generally um they build up to money that you can then spend later so maybe you can have i don't know 5000 points over a period of time and maybe that becomes five pounds or 50 pounds depending on whatever ratio you know the store uses and some of the 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 store cards so whether you're shopping in um morrison's or you're shopping even in Lidl, right all these yeah. you know most supermarkets i would recommend generally speaking that if you because we shop regularly just makes sense to have these because what we're trying to do is obviously save as much as we can because then they are giving us certain discounts uh, for using them the only thing i've seen that's probably a disadvantage so to speak is obviously we're giving our data to these stores right yeah because by the time you set up an account to have that card they can see everything you're buying so for them they're able to build a profile of what their shoppers like and you know of in course, different yeah. areas yeah, so yeah, a tesco true. down the road in london could be different to a tesco um in in northampton because of the demographics and they can see the dead data. And they can use that data for marketing purposes. And, for marketing you know, purposes. So, growth, yeah. you know, it's neither here nor there. As long as our data is safe, I, yeah. I, I've got no issues with that. And as long as I'm also getting a good deal. So I think people, it will be, it'll be good for people to look into those. And there are even apps that have been developed now where you can actually um, store all your um, store card details for your loyalty cards, like you just go into the app and you click which shop you're in. So you don't have to have the card with you. And you literally scan that app and it knows which which shop you're in and it, it builds up the yeah, points for you. So you know, that's 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 obviously you know um a bit a bit high level, but generally speaking, I, I would encourage people to make use of those because that's the way you end up saving, as I would call it. Um, and it used to be very good, especially Tesco Club Card. They used to say um, whatever number of points you've got, you can actually use them in other places as well, like restaurants and theme parks and things like that. So it's about knowing those deals. And I think that's the other thing. Mm -hmm. Knowledge is power. We don't know sometimes what we're missing out on because we've not done the research or we've not really looked into things. Like you just get to the till and they ask you if you've got a club card, you just say no. But do you then go and actually find out, okay, what does this club card really do? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, I think we need to be we need to be more inquisitive because there is so much out there. Even some online platforms, there's one called um top cashback, for example. There's some cashback sites yeah. where when you go and buy online, if you go through them, anytime you're purchasing something, you're getting cashback for all your purchases. But if you don't know about it, you just go and buy stuff and not realize you could be getting some money back. So yeah, of course. Now let's look at um People that are afraid of, of of going online and 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 they're just afraid, not knowing which one to go for. What sort of advice do you have for them? I think um, the digital world we're living in now is not going to go backwards. Yeah. That's my view, mm -hmm. and I think people that have reservations or people that are fearful or people that just need to adapt. I feel like. They should take it as a personal challenge to just try and learn because the more time passes, the more the stuff, look at the banks. I'll give you an example yeah. across the UK. And I think this is the same in other parts of the world. Banks are closing, right? Yeah. Because they're saying not many people are coming to shop in town. So we don't have enough, you know, people coming into the banks. It's not, it's not, it's not cost effective for them to have um, the bank. So you end up having a place that had five banks only has 
two left, right? Because they want to encourage people to go online to do all their online banking. Yeah. You know, what does an 85-year-old person do in that situation, right? But they are having to adapt. They're having to find ways of, you know, coming to terms with mm -hmm. doing stuff online in a digital manner. And I think as long as people get educated, and there's a lot of investment as well, um, in most local councils to help people to become digitally um, equipped and confident. So I would encourage people that if you are, if you feel like that, find out, go to your citizens advice bureau, phone your council or something. There are schemes around the country that help people to adapt to technology if they are uh, fearful, because I feel like it will almost become something you need rather than opt for. Okay, that was a lot of wealthy knowledge, I, I, I can say. So now let us dive deep into your services, your offerings. If you can give an example of, let's say, the kind of person that you help, if you can give me the imaginary person that you can help and their struggles and the solution that you provide, if you can tell me that, yeah. Okay. So um, when I first started doing this, I was working with individuals that are or professionals, right, who are struggling to just manage their money. And um, this is going to sound surprising. There are people that earn very good money, yep. but they just don't know where their money is going. <laughs> <laughs> when it gets to the middle of the month, the money is finished. They're yeah. waiting for month end again. Mm -hmm. So it, so the people I was working, I work with are those who are want to improve their finances. They're already employed, you know, they're work, they're, they're working, and they're earning, but they, they can't seem to understand how they're budgeting their money or how they're managing their tax taxes or how they're able to, to get themselves through, right? And it's not just about the budgeting. It's also about how can you increase your earning? Mm -hmm. What is it that you can do with your skills? What is it that you can do with your knowledge that you can think about outside the box? Because most people want to earn more, but they don't know how to do it. Yeah. And they don't know what to consider, right given their circumstances so i'm looking at an individual at, at, at individuals who are already um employed and they just need that help to manage their money better okay and be able to grow their money and be able to learn how to save it's the mindset as well because what i realized like i said at the beginning i did an accounting course and i was a qualified accountant but it didn't mean i was good at money yeah. because it's two separate things Doing it as a job and managing your, your own personal finances and knowing the kind of good habits to have, it's, it's a different thing altogether. Okay. So if you are an individual who is um, either a, a working professional or you've come, or come newly to the UK and you just want to understand better how to manage your finances, that's the kind of person I would help. Okay. So now you spoke about growing the money, okay? Mm -hmm. And I want you to explain in 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 probably briefly to explain what is the term growing money means a very okay. good example saving money simply means that if i'm getting paid x amount of pounds a week a month i can set aside x amount of pounds into my savings account but when you're looking at growing money it means that money has been put aside to to grow or are you re are you referencing to growing money as in in form of savings or there's some sort of investment? Can, can you just touch base on that? Oh, yeah, sure. So when I mentioned growing money, I think I need to be a bit more <laughs> direct and I'm glad you're asking this. So there's two aspects. One of the areas um people don't understand is their pensions. Okay. 
right? What is what is it? How how does it work? Yeah. Am I saving for the future? How how does that how is that happening? Sometimes people are are, are paying pension through work. Sometimes people are, are paying through, like I said, national insurance. That's already a form of pension you're paying into. Do you yeah. understand what it is or how it works? Right. And there is an aspect of the savings. Are you looking for bank accounts that are giving you high interest? Do you understand how you can go back to again the search comparison sites? Are you getting the best deal? in the account accounts that you're saving your money in okay thirdly um if you're looking at investing some people want to buy shares they want to understand how that is i'm not a financial advisor but i can teach people to understand that this is generally how the stock market works this is generally how you should look at risk this is generally how uh, these are the things you can think about these are the government schemes that are there we've got things that are called isas we've got cash isas we've got stock and share isas right what are they right so that's all stuff that people can learn about the earlier they do the better because then they can they can then navigate and see for their situation you know what applies um best for them to protect and grow their money in the best way around that and then there's the growing the money in terms of increasing your earning potential okay um, okay go ahead <laughs> yeah no i was just gonna say are, are people maximizing their earning capacity okay. you know there's certain skills and things that we have that we can do they could be hobbies or whatever you bake stuff for fun are you selling it how can you monetize that you okay. know what I mean? yeah so when you help people um what, what sort of structure do you take them through is it a program that you take them through a year or it's a lifetime program or it's a one-week coaching or it's one hour coaching what sort of structure do you have in terms of assisting people okay so um so far what i've been doing is their workshops so um sometimes i'm asked to come by um you know a, a group an existing group it could be like you know um it could be even a church or it could be a, an organization in the community or it could be an employer who just wants people to have a discussion about important aspects of money right yeah. and we cover that depending on what they want they do, do, do they want to talk about saving better do they want to talk about um budgeting so it just depends on what they want as a group. So most times I I get invited to specific groups to do that as workshops. And then I also do my own workshops, which I, I tend to advertise. Like now I've got one coming up next week, 14th and 15th of December, okay. which is more of like an end of year kind of review. We'll just be looking through um, common rules of money and seeing how we've done in the year and what we can adjust for the following year. Um, in terms of programs that I do myself you asked about whether it's yearly or or something like that um what I'm looking to do in 2024 is to have like um intensive 12-week programs so we look at important money topics we say over a 12-week period we're gonna do this and help you you know improve your finances help you improve your earning capacity and and um etc and within that once people have done that 12-week program they can still choose to stay in the community right because for me I'm all about community um, if you're surrounding yourself with people that have got a certain mindset and certain way of thinking that develops you and challenges you and mm -hmm. keeps you in the right track, it's actually good for you, right? So people can have that option to stay within the community online and people can interact and ask questions, etc. But I, the main thing is they continue to receive the online sessions that I'll be delivering, which will be um, on a monthly basis or the 12 week thing if they want to sign up for that. Oh, okay. So now, how can people get in touch with you? You know, I may have you know, left out an important question that one of our viewers or listeners 
could be saying, wow, you know what? I wish they, could I could have asked this question and how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so um, I'm on most social media platforms. So I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram uh, as Salome Ru. So like I said, Rumbi is my other name. So Salome Ru is my name. I'm also on LinkedIn, if you like the professional touch. So I'm Rumbi Salome Chamboko on LinkedIn. That's also another platform. And I, I'm on TikTok, right? I, I I post TikTok videos as well under my Salome Ru um, um, name. And so, yeah, so the 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 YouTube channel, I've also got a YouTube channel where I, I share some um information as well around uh, money matters and that's called building you and your money with salomiru that's building you with a you not with a y um so yeah so that that's that's it it's facebook salomiru instagram salomiru okay. and yeah so we are, apparently we we did create a website for for yes of course yeah and then so that people can just visit the website yes the so website is um www.salomiru.com and yeah uh, can, you, can you show that again can you actually give us the, the latest one more yeah, one so um so www.salomiru is s-a-l-o-m-e-r-u.com dot com yes okay, so any last words we have we're almost coming to the end of our session and any last words from you if you feel like could I, oh you could have asked me this question what is it that you 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 want to uh, you want to share with the audience? Um, I think my last words will probably be around the current um situation of uh, the high cost of living in general. I think it's been a tough couple of years. You know, whether you live in the UK or you live in another country, like generally speaking, you know, there's been there's, things have not been easy. And I think um my last words will really then be just to say to people, you know what um people need to just take things a day at a time and people need to try and live within their means as much as possible. It's tough for most people, but there are certain things that we can't control. Okay. I always say you can't control the politics. You can't control the economy. You can't control the weather. You can't control so many things, but there are things you can control yourself. What you can control about your money, how you manage it, you know, the decisions you make between your wants and your needs, um, the mindset, the way you choose to grow, in financial education because there's an element of financial education people don't learn in school yeah that's true and, and so the person i am today is not who i was five years ago yeah. i had to spend time to read books i had to spend time to listen to podcasts to listen to materials that would teach me right and i also had to make mistakes along the way i learned from my mistakes so what i'm trying to say to people is we're not expecting you to be perfect right but at least work on building yourself up in your financial education and in your mindset because it is through doing that that you find the freedom that you're looking for and not wait for the politicians to come up with another rule the next day and you know <laughs> say something you can't do or, yeah. or things like that so yeah i think living within our means you know is a very important thing because sometimes we we want to do extravagant things beyond what we can afford because we want to look rich or want to yeah, look like course. life yeah, is good yeah you know? Yeah, so we've come to the end of our session and I want to thank you so much for graciously agreeing to be part of this. No, thank you. It's been yeah. a pleasure and it's, um, it's been great speaking to you and thank you for all the thought-provoking questions. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, 